0: Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas.
1: From our socially distanced virtual lunch table in Baton Rouge, we're out to lunch with Stephanie Regal, editor of the Baton Rouge Business Report. It's business, Baton Rouge style.
2: Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. You know, there's an old saying about how you can never go home again, which means actually that once you've moved away from a place and come home, it's different than when you left. But sometimes what has changed has been for the better and created new opportunities for those who have returned. Joining me today are two entrepreneurs who left Baton Rouge and are back home with new companies and concepts that a new Baton Rouge is ready to embrace. One of these entrepreneurs is Chris Boyd, founder of Aptitude, an IT firm that specializes in app development, app repair, and web development. Chris is young, like I said, but he does have 10 years experience under his belt, which he got during his years as a student at LSU and then in Houston, where he worked first with Continental Airlines and then with high-paced teams at WordPress, Hearst Corporation, and Rice University. In 2012, he participated in the NOLABound project, which encouraged people from key industries to start businesses in the Crescent City, and Aptitude was born. In the years since, Chris has grown the firm and expanded into Houston, where he has built apps for the Houston Zoo, Marriott and Lagunitas Beer, among others, and most recently for the Virginia Department of Health to help people keep track of their COVID exposures. These days, Chris is splitting his time between Baton Rouge and Houston. Chris, it's a pleasure to have you here via Zoom. Thanks so much for joining me on Out to Lunch.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
2: With me and Chris today on Zoom is Cameron Jackson, a former college athlete who returned to his native Baton Rouge after graduating and he's currently working on a plan to transform an undeveloped section of land across from Baton Rouge General Medical Center's Mid-City campus into an outdoor food court. Cam is calling his development Millennial Park, and he's modeling it after outdoor food courts he's seen in cities like Dallas and Houston where food trucks are clustered at parks and patrons can sit and eat and and socialize. But Millennial Park has a unique twist. Inspired by his travels to Jamaica, Cam is using a repurposed industrial shipping containers instead of food trucks. It's a really cool idea, a recreational space built from shipping containers, and it has potential in an area that we know is in dire need of redevelopment and fresh ideas. Cam, thanks so much for joining us on Out to Lunch today.
3: Oh, no problem. Glad to be here. Glad to be here.
2: Well, Chris, I'm going to start with you Everybody has an app. Our phones are are loaded with apps, and and businesses get approached all the time from firms wanting to make apps for them. What makes aptitude different, and and how did you distinguish yourself from among the pack?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Aptitude is different because we focus on the design of an app first and foremost, Um, whereas most development firms tend to focus on how the app will be coded we always start with the way the user is going to experience the app first. Um, So before we've even written a line of code, we've done thorough designs and gone through a lot of different mock-up phases to try and figure out what the best way to create the app will be for the user. I think that helps us stand out amongst others.
2: And then are your apps, I mean, are they typical apps like, you know, just the the people use on their phone? I mean, are they faster, better, uh, more intuitive?
1: Absolutely. Um, More intuitive, for sure. Faster, better. Um, I think when you start with the design, you're always kind of focused on the way someone's going to be tapping on something with their thumb. And that's a big difference between um, clicking with a mouse or, you know, browsing through a web page. So the psychology of that and the way someone's brain thinks when they're tapping through something, um, it's always important to kind of keep that in mind. We've done a great job of that.
2: Sure. Now, now, I mean, I mentioned some of the big clients that you all are, are representing and designed apps for, like Continental Airlines, Lagunitas Beer, Marriott. I mean, you all are doing apps for, for all of those companies?
1: Those are apps we've worked with in the past. Um, right now, uh, we're working with a completely different client set, but those are, are companies we've worked for in the past. Continental is actually the first job I had outside of college. Um, So that was my, you know, where I kind of cut my teeth on web development. Um, But yeah, Loganitas and Marriott are two companies we've worked with before. Um, Houston Zoo is one of our flagship clients. Um, and we're we're doing some really cool stuff. Uh, I just learned that we'll be working with the Bayou Classic again this year. The,
2: ba- the Bayou Classic that has been um, that has been pushed back a few months, and hopefully we will have big crowds there to enjoy it when it is held in the spring of twenty twenty one. And so, speaking of football, Cam, you played football at Coastal Carolina's University, a college athlete. What what inspired you to come back here and and start? such a unique business venture.
3: Um, so what kind of inspired me? Um, so I was playing football, football was fun, um, but I kind of felt like I wanted to do more. So I've been playing football for four years. I went to Liberty University first for two years and then I transferred to Coastal Carolina where I continued to play football. And after the football season, I traveled to Jamaica and I just, to kind of get away, to kind of like get my mind right. Cause I was at the point where I was leaving, I'm about to leave school soon and I didn't know what I wanted to do really. So I go to Jamaica kind of to get my mind right, relax. And then I come back because I see the idea there. And then that's when I come back to school and I literally just left. I just had the idea and then I said, I'm going to make it happen. And I just left and then moved to Baton Rouge and then started trying to make it happen.
2: So so describe it to us. Tell us what you saw in Jamaica and, and what you hope to replicate. Here. So in
3: Jamaica, I saw they were using just shipping containers and they were using the bare minimum. So they just cut a whole lot of it, throw a grill in it and they'd be cooking from it. So once I saw that um, headed to Ocho's Rio's. I saw a couple of them and I was like, huh, that's a good idea. I bet it's cheap. So I just thought it was going to be super cheap and you can start a business in it kind of easy. So I was thinking it was just something I'd never seen. So once I saw it there, I started researching it a little bit and I saw that it was in California, some places in Texas and Las Vegas as well. And so I researched their parks and I saw like, wow, you can really make a park. You can stack them up and you can have them really cool designs. And They look real cool and modern. And so I know that the world's kind of going that way. So um, I just kind of just took a leap and, saw how they did it and kind of just switched it up a little bit. But I'm trying to keep the same thing where a lot of people with the shipping containers, they'll cut them and install different windows and kind of take away from the shipping container. And it doesn't really look whole, but any cut I make, I try to make sure once it's all closed up, you can all see this, the same container as well. So it's always a box. So any pieces I cut, I keep them attached and I use them as either doors, windows, and things like that.
2: So where are you right now in terms of the development? I know We reported on this back in early in the year before COVID. Um, And I'm sure that has slowed things down, but do you actually have containers on site yet?
3: Um, Yes, we actually have containers on site and we actually opened during COVID. So COVID definitely slowed some things down, but it didn't affect us to the point where I thought it would. Um, So we are able to still open. I opened up three containers. Uh, One serves Jamaican food. One serves turkey legs that are smoked that we stuff with different sides. And the other is a barbecue place. So those three have been currently open and I plan on opening about 15 more. So right now we're in a process, I'm about 30% complete. So I have about 10 containers on the land right now that I'm, and I'm three are finished and I'm building out the rest, um, the other seven, and then I'm gonna be adding a second level as well. So right now it's just finishing the first level, adding about three more containers and then the second level adding um, about 10, 10 more containers as well. So still a lot more to do, but. With COVID, it kind of gave us a little bit more time to really work on things and really get things right um, for the most part. And so that's why I was able to actually open some restaurants during then.
2: And I know COVID has created some opportunities for companies. It's, it's been problematic in other ways. Chris, COVID ha- has been good for y'all in the sense that, that you've developed a major app for the state of Virginia. Tell us about what that app does.
1: Yeah, so um, Apple and Google formed a partnership uh, to try and help the fight against COVID. And there's this concept called contact tracing that we've all kind of heard of now, but um, it's when if you have somebody that tests positive for something, uh, epidemiologists will go and try and find all the people that they may have come in contact with it, with that patient and let them know that they need to quarantine. Um, With COVID, I think Apple and Google thought that there's a, a way to use technology since we're all carrying these phones around all day. Uh, to use that to try and do some kind of mass-scale contact tracing to help people find out if they've been exposed um, to COVID. And so they created something called Exposure Notification System to try and make it as private and completely anonymous as possible. Um, so they created this you know, Apple and Google partnership, and they partner with state health agencies that want to participate Uh, so if you opt in, it's only an opt in thing. um, but if you opt in with your phone, uh, whenever you are in contact with another phone that's opted into the program, uh, you guys trade anonymous tokens all day and it's only kept on the phone. So it's not uploaded anywhere. It's not sent anywhere. It's only kept on your device. And then let's say later on, uh, someone that you came in contact with tests positive for COVID and decides to report that inside of the system. Uh, when they report that, anybody's phone that has come in contact with their, their token uh, will get a little notification that they have come in contact with them. But it's all completely anonymous, completely private. There's absolutely no way to track back who the person was that tested positive.
2: What are the outcomes showing in Virginia? Is it, is it making a difference? I mean, I, you, The Department of Health purchased this system from y'all, or was licensing it from you all and using it?
1: We developed it for them. Yeah, we developed it for them. Um, it's been widely successful. There was an article in the Washington Post that told people that, you know, this app is safe. This app is something that you want to download and install. Um, I think that helped a lot. Uh, I believe there were something like 300,000 downloads within the first two weeks, um, which for something that's kind of a brand new technology that's somewhat uh, intimidating in terms of people don't necessarily know whether they can trust it. Um, that's a great thing. And, and I'm, I'm glad that people are kind of joining the fight and trying to help uh, participate because it protects themselves and it protects other people.
0: Yeah,
2: that's great. 300,000. And I, I suppose the numbers have grown somewhat since then.
1: Right. Absolutely. I don't have the latest numbers, but it's been um, definitely uh, more and more people are participating, especially Apple just did something recently where you can opt in without even having to download and install the app. Um, so that's extremely helpful.
2: You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Chris Boyd of Aptitude and Cameron Jackson of Millennial Park. Speaking of numbers, Cameron, what, what kind of numbers are y'all seeing? I mean, um, are customers come in every day for lunch or, or dinner to Millennial Park, or are the hours limited or what?
3: Um, so it actually has been a constant flow of traffic. And one thing that I do to continue to kind of get new people at the park is I have events and I do different things. So. This past weekend, we had National Night Out Against Crime, so we partnered with Baton Rouge Police Department and the mayor's office, and the mayor came out, had a speech. Um, The police bought their canine unit, um, mounted patrol unit as well, and they bought a couple tanks and things like that. So different events like that and different drive-in movies I do on the weekends kind of always get new people to kind of come in and, and, and interact with the park in a sense because I don't want to just be a place where you just eat and shop more of like an entertainment center as well, where you can come and you can see movies, you can watch games, you can game nights, karaoke nights, you know, concerts, different things like that. So I've just been trying to utilize the space as much as I can to really continue to get new people coming, but they have been coming daily. Um, New people are always coming and The news has been helping a lot as well um, with the different interviews and, going on the news and it brings new people all the time.
2: So what's, how does the business model work? Do you actually go out and buy used shipping containers and then yeah, lease yeah. them to the little restaurant vendors?
3: Right. So I that's what I did for the first couple. So I got the shipping containers all used and I do research on them just to make sure they're not chemicals or anything. them. So I get the shipping containers and I build them out and I rent them out. So the people that I have in them now are kind of like close family and friends that I have. So I allowed them to rent and do it um, and, and rent the space out. But now I'm kind of leaning towards, I want to open up, just build them all out and kind of just open up my own things within them. Um, as of right now, just because of COVID and everything, a lot of people don't have the funds to go around just to do specific things. And it's not like it's super expensive, but it's not something that a lot of people are just ready to do. So I'm planning on building them out anyway, and I might rent, rent them out or I might just put my own business in them. I'm still kind of trying to decide.
2: Okay. Now, Chris, you're in between Baton Rouge and Houston at this point. You're going uh, between the two cities. Where, where's your workforce primarily located? Or are they all remote?
1: Well, we're, we've always all been remote. Um, There's a brief time in New Orleans where we had a physical office. But for the most part, it's always been remote. Um, we have four people in Houston, two people in Austin, and two people in India. Um, so we we have kind of a widespread uh Team, but but everybody kind of works together. We use something called Slack to to chat together, um, and that works out really well.
2: And then your software developers. I mean that that includes the people in India and Texas and and everywhere.
1: Right. Everybody um, is is either a an app developer or a web developer um, for the most part. We we sometimes partner with graphic designers that uh, only do graphic design, but for the most part everybody has a little bit of coding experience too.
2: So do you have people doing sales and marketing for you and that kind of stuff? Or has it been mostly word of mouth or you're sort of a one man band at this point?
1: No, um, I have uh, one person on our team that's focused on kind of sales and and, uh, client support. Um, I find that uh, I tend to be the best salesperson for our company just because what we do can be a little technical and a little complicated. So. that's generally the way we've done sales since 2012 is through word of mouth. Uh, and that's always worked out really well. Uh, Anytime we publish an app it usually results in like three new apps. So I've been really happy about that.
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a great way. Cam, what about you? You, you mentioned media attention, social media, no doubt. I mean, have you had to do any advertising or, or people are just gradually learning about it and, and coming
3: with it being in Baton Rouge and like it being so new and different, it's kind of just been word of mouth. Like with the news, um, that's helped a lot. So once the newspaper started picking up on the stories and they started showing on the news, it just started getting bigger and bigger. But it's really just been word of mouth. People come, they love the food, and they're posting it. And social media is so big these days. One post of some good food, you might get 10 new customers. So it's really just been social media and the word of mouth that's really been um, been here. And then in Baton Rouge, there's not a ton to do. So something new, the people just jump on it, you know, and they're ready for it.
2: How much does it cost to buy a used shipping container?
3: They average from so the twenty foot containers average from about fifteen hundred to about two thousand, and then the forty foot containers average from about thirty two hundred to about four thousand.
2: So they're not they're not cheap, but and then what is it? Is it difficult to refurb them or outfit them to have a, um, a food vendor in there?
3: Not even, not really. So at first starting, I didn't know anything about it, and it was kind of difficult. But going through the process and doing everything, like you don't have to weld them; you can cut them with skill saws. Things like that um, I learned through the process, but it's actually really not hard. It takes about, I can build out a container in about three weeks fully. So, you know, and that's plumbing, electricity and everything like that. And the container comes fully empty. So it's just straight, you know, walls and floors. So once you get in it, you put the insulation in, plumbing, electricity, and then you go from there.
2: That is so great. And, and you all are both, you know, you've brought really sort of cutting edge concepts to Baton Rouge. How do, How is Baton Rouge today in 2020 compared to the Baton Rouge you knew growing up 10, 15, 20 years ago?
1: I remember downtown Baton Rouge when I was a teenager and it was, you know, there wasn't a lot going on at all. And it's been really heartening to see um, how much development has gone into downtown Baton Rouge. Um, and I think there's a lot of really great organizations uh, like... Brac and LED that have really pushed projects there that I think have been phenomenal. Um, So that's a huge change. Uh, It's grown and matured, especially post Katrina. I think the population boom that happened from that changed the city forever, uh, in mostly good ways. Um, The traffic obviously is is kind of a downside from that. Um, But one other big thing, and this is something I always tell people when they ask about Baton Rouge, and I think it's a strong suit, is um, we had a great local music scene here. We always have, we've always got like a lot of good organic talent with music and in other cities like Houston, um, you know, any major other city, if you're going out for, you know, to a restaurant, that's out open seating and you have a musician there and they're like playing, uh, music, nine times out of 10 in another city, it's going to be like covers, you know, music that somebody else wrote and they're kind of performing a cover. In Baton Rouge, nine times out of 10, it's usually original music. And I think I've always loved that, that we have this great original music scene here. And that's continued to grow, especially with um, the listening rooms that have popped up, like Dyson House and Red Dragon. So I, that's two things that I really like a lot.
2: Yeah, those are, those are definitely great success stories. What about you, Cam? I know you're, you're very young, but I mean, even from your childhood... You know, maybe you you've seen some changes.
3: Mm-hmm. Really, the same as Chris, like you said. So, I actually grew up in Houston for the most part. So, I was born in Baton Rouge, and all my family's from Baton Rouge and from Zachary area, Baton Rouge, St. Francisville. And we grew up in Houston right before Katrina. We moved there because of my parents' jobs. But I would come to Baton Rouge every summer to ride horses and be with family and do things like that. So, seeing Baton Rouge back then, it was very popular and. It was a lot more going on, like kind of towards the areas I would go to. So Florida Boulevard, the the land that I actually have now used to be my grandpa's barbershop. So it was the biggest barbershop in Baton Rouge, and they also had a restaurant in it. So I used to see that area. It was always booming a lot of people. And then coming back the previous years, you know, when I'm getting older and I'm seeing how the town is just going down and now coming back and seeing how people are just building new things, government streets popping, a lot of new projects are popping up. And it's just like, wow this can be something like, I like that people are actually saying that Baton Rouge can be something like a different city. Cause I've lived in Houston and I see how Houston is. And then I come here and I see the difference and it's, it's like two different worlds almost. And it's not hard to get Baton Rouge there. It's just going to take the right people that want to do the right thing and to make it happen. And a lot of people are coming back to the city, trying to do a lot of new things. So it's, it's, it's been, it's been great.
2: And, and it, and it takes money. Who's mm-hmm. financing your business, Cam?
3: Um, So I've actually been doing, I actually started my own clothing line when I was in college and I do real estate as well. So my mom got me started on real estate early. So I've been using all of my capital to start millennial park and do everything um, and just continue to do that. Yeah. But now we've, I've actually got connected with the mayor's office and doing some different things with the nonprofit that I'm starting. So I'll be getting grants and different things like that to do different things with the city um, for schools. And I'm also going to be opening up, I just purchased some land over on North Boulevard, which is right behind Florida Boulevard, where I'll be opening up a, um, a fresh fruit and vegetables market out of shipping containers because there's no fresh fruit or vegetables in that area.
2: Fantastic. And, and Chris, what about you being in Baton Rouge? I mean, is, is there an advantage to being here or um, you just had local family ties and that's why you wanted to come back?
1: Well, it definitely uh, with COVID and everything, being closer to family uh, made sense. And I wanted to kind of be here at least throughout the the pandemic um but definitely being in baton rouge it's great because there's people that you've kind of made connections with over the years through college through professional life and i think people that are in baton rouge always want to see it succeed so when you kind of like cam mentioned when you have people that want to kind of pitch in and, and do something cool Usually there's a lot of people around that, are, that have the same idea and want to, to connect you to other people to help um, make that happen. So we haven't done a lot of marketing or, or um, campaigning in batteners just yet, but I definitely would love to, to you know, do an app for, for Millennial Park or you know, something like that where we can help people that are building cool stuff in the community and help the community connect with the people that are building the cool stuff.
2: Real quick, before I let y'all go, what's, what's, what's on the horizon in the immediate short term?
1: Sure. Um, we've got a lot of really cool apps that should be out by the end of the year. Um, right now, a lot of people are really focused on digital fitness uh, because everybody's been stuck at home. Uh, so we're working on two fitness apps. Um, there's another app that has some interesting stuff with food delivery, uh, which is another kind of sign of, of COVID where things have changed, you know. Everybody's ordering food delivery uh, as the default now, rather than going to a restaurant. So we're really excited about that. Um, and again, I'm I'm super excited to know that the Bayou Classic is going to happen uh, a little a little late. You know, not in November, but uh, in April. But the idea that we we get to do that—that's one of our favorite projects, and, and it's always fun to to go there and and see Southern and Grambling, you know, do their thing.
2: And and Cam from Millennial Park.
1: For
3: Millennial Park, um, just to finish um, expanding and like the produce stand, like I said, I'll be expanding and making the Millennial Park produce stand with the fresh fruits and vegetables. So continuing to do things like that with the community, continue to get the community engaged, continuing to open everyone's eyes and let them see that Baton Rouge can be more than what it is.
2: Well, Cameron Jackson and Chris Point, it's so refreshing to hear your innovative ideas and positive outlook, especially at a time when there's so much doom and gloom around us. The Baton Rouge business community is fortunate to have you both here. Thanks so much for taking time to share your insights with us on Out to Lunch.
1: Thank you for having us. Thanks for having me.
2: My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Chris Boyd of Aptitude and Cameron Jackson of Millennial Park. We edited this show to fit into the time slot here on WRKF. You can hear our unedited conversations and find out more about Aptitude and Millennial Park by listening to the Out to Lunch Baton Rouge podcast. You can find and subscribe to Out to Lunch Baton Rouge anywhere you get podcasts on and on our website, itsbatonrouge.la. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Out to Lunch Baton Rouge social media. Photos are taken by Jill LaFleur, and you can find more of Jill's photos at LaFleurphoto.com. We're going to be hosting Out to Lunch around the lunch table at Mansur's on the Boulevard one day soon. In the meantime, you can go there. Mansur's is open seven days a week for lunch and dinner. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for It's Baton Rouge.LA and WRKF 89.3 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris, our technical producer is Eric Merle, our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. and our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino, Dave Winwood, and Ann Edelman. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to
0: Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Hancock Whitney. Hancock Whitney is here for families, here for businesses, here for communities during this challenging time. Visit HancockWhitney.com/slash-COVID19 for the latest. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Basics Swim and Gym and Basics Underneath Fine lingerie. The It's New Orleans Happy Hour podcast. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com.